Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you like the NFL, you're going to like NFL Fantasy Live on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. We are NFL Fantasy Live, family, fantasy analysts Jason Smith, Michael Fabiano, I'm Elliot Harrison, Sirius 210, XM 87. Jason, just so you know, that's one of Van Halen's best songs. In fact, it got me all tongue-tied because I, I really just wanted to rock out there You were for a concentrating second. more on playing air guitar and then air drums than you were talking about this show. Alex Van Halen, very underrated drummer. Very underrated drummer. And Eddie Van Halen, truly a lightning rod of the music industry in the late 70s. Some people thought the guitar solos were, were too gratuitous, you know, that he was a little bit of a show-off. But there's no question that he changed the direction of rock music in that era. And so with that really poor segue, I'm going to Tim Tebow, the ultimate lightning rod to me in fantasy football and real football. Now, Fabs, I know you feel like there's no argument that he's a great fantasy option, but he is a lightning rod. No, there's no doubt about it. I don't know if I'd call him great yet, but four games that he started, okay, over 20 fantasy points in every single game. The other game that he played uh, a significant amount of time in against the Chargers, half, uh, maybe a quarter and a half, scored almost 16 fantasy points. He is ugly as heck out there on the field. Uh, somehow he scores fantasy points, and that's all that matters to me. In my line of work, Tim Tebow scores fantasy points, boys, and that's why I'm so interested to see what he does against the Lions in a home game against a very good defense with Indomitian Sue and some guys that are going to be able to pass the you know r- you know rush the passer with Cliff Averill and I'm very interested to see what happens to this kid uh, this weekend. This is going to be the litmus test for me. If he can go out there and score 15, 16, 17 fantasy points or more, you play him almost every week unless you're stacked at quarterback. So Jason, is that where we're at with Tebow? Is he? Are we really looking at him this week as? what was once maybe a matchup guy, well, what was once potential, and then this week versus the Dolphins may have been a matchup guy. Is he now a must-start if he goes out and, say, gets 18 points 
versus the Lions. Unless you have one of the top five guys, and then the top five has changed now since the beginning of the year. The top five beginning of the year was Brady, Breeze, Vic, Rivers, and Rodgers, right? You take Phillip Rivers out of that because now he's a matchup guy because he's been awful, right? I think you got to throw Cam Newton in as a must-start, right? He's the same player as Tebow, except he's going to throw for more yards and probably throw for more touchdowns. So if you don't have one of those guys, you're starting Tim Tebow. For instance, I have Tebow and Phillip Rivers in one league. I'm starting Tebow. It's not even close. From a fantasy versus reality standpoint, which you, I know we love to do, Elliot, you love to look at fantasy versus reality. Tim Tebow last week, give me, give me reality. Good or bad game of quarterback? Bad game. Bad game, right? Bad game of quarterback all the way through. Horrible game. 23 fantasy points. So if that's as bad as it gets, I mean, you couldn't look as bad as Tebow did for three and a half quarters plus that. If that's that bad a football game and he's 23 points, what's he going to be when he has a good game? 30 points? you got to remember, you can almost pencil him in for 10 points a week because of the way he runs the football. He's going to run for 50 yards and likely run for a touchdown. That's incredible. He would score me 10 points as a passing quarterback, but now suddenly you become a star and a legend. You know, I brought this up on Fantasy Live today. I, I, I think Tebow's exact scoring was 22 point something. And I said that, you know, to me, that was a 14, 15 point fantasy game he had against the Dolphins. And the reason being was the big throw to Daniel Fells. He didn't put it where the ball should have been. He got lucky. The ball didn't get picked off. That set them up at the two-yard line. Then the Dolphins make a terrible play defensively. Once again, Tebow was happens inaccurate. Happens all the time, it, it, man. It, happens all the time. It does. It does. But for me... If Drew Brees is playing the Dolphins, because we talked a lot about Brees today, if Drew Brees plays the Dolphins and you see that, you go ahead and give Brees that credit because he's earned that. I don't know that Tim Tebow has earned that, hey, that's just the way pro football goes and he's going to be able to do that every week because that's the way pro football goes. I think the Dolphins are a really bad, undisciplined team right now. And the other thing I mentioned, you know, he got two points off a two-point conversion. That's completely a game situation play. You can't... Uh, bank on Tim Tebow getting a two-point conversion every week. Uh, so, And then the last thing is that running over Carlos Dansby, look, I love it. It looks cool. I mean, really, it does. It's great to see your quarterback running over a linebacker, but do you guys really think that he can do that for eight straight weeks and not get hurt? That's the best point Elliot Harrison has made, I think, in the entire time in doing this show. Look, obviously you and I, Fabs and I are on different sides from you when it comes to Tebow. Look, people get overthrown during games. Tip passes happen. It's just, it's just part of it. If Aaron Rodgers threw a tip pass that went for a 70-yard touchdown, we'd say, boy, what a great... You know, Blown Aaron, coverage has happened. Aaron Rodgers still had a great game. But Tebow's injury thing is a big deal. He's had concussion issues before. He's got to learn that when he takes that ball, when he doesn't need to, because his style, I mean, you can't tell him to change his style because that's what makes him who he is. But you got to say, look, when you're in the open field, you do you can't punish a guy. you got to make sure you stay on the field. It's almost like the same thing with Michael Vick. Michael Vick likes to put his head down and die for more yards. Tebow just wants to put a lick on a guy. You can't keep doing that if you're a quarterback. That, to me, that's the biggest thing, Fabs, that I'm concerned about is him staying on the field with his style of And l- l- let's look at the schedule. Detroit this week, tough matchup, okay? Uh, week 9, Oakland. I don't think that's a tough matchup. Oakland's got a good defense. They give up a lot of fantasy points to quarterbacks. Kansas City in Week 10, good matchup. Jets, tough matchup in Week in week 11. Week 12 against the Chargers. I think he can do, I can do some damage against the Chargers. You already did. Um, exactly. Minnesota, week 13. Minnesota's defense isn't that great. This isn't the Purple People leaders. Uh, week 15 against the Patriots. Patriots are giving up a ton of fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. Week 16, championship week for fantasy football. The Buffalo Bills giving up a ton of fantasy points to quarterbacks. Yeah, he's going to have some down weeks. But, Elliot, in football, defenses miss assignments. Uh, quarterbacks get lucky. Players get lucky. Um, 
quarterbacks put up garbage time fantasy points. Matt Stafford a few weeks ago was dreadful in a game that he threw for 400 yards. It happens. And I don't know what it is. Is it divine intervention? Is it something else? Tim Tebow scores fantasy points, and that's all I care about. I, I, I agree with all – well, I don't agree with all your points. I do think the Week 10 matchup at Kansas City is going to be a little tougher. I don't think we can anoint him 20 points right there. I think the Chiefs will play tough at home, and they've been playing very tough defensively. They just picked off the Raiders six times. Granted, half of those were – But Kyle the Chiefs Bowler. can't stop the run, and you can't look at just strictly how many fantasy points uh, the quarterbacks have scored against the Chiefs because Tebow's game is – mostly rushing when it comes to success from a fantasy perspective. Well, you know, one of the things, you mentioned Matt Stafford. Uh, Matt Schaub had an awful 400-yard passing performance yeah. against the Raiders. But you know what? Those guys' ancillary parts are a lot better than Denver's. I mean, we're talking about Roland with no Sean Marino, who's been nothing but a disappointment. I think we're all in agreement there. Lance Ball, Eric Decker. I mean, they just don't have an abundance. of Daniel Fells made their big plays. And all I'm saying about the Miami game, and I'll – I'll shut up here, is that, well, yes, you're right, Jason. Blown coverages happen. Fabs, tip balls happen. These things happen, but when it's a perfect confluence of about five of them happening in the last five minutes of the game, that's a little unlikely, and you're not going to play one of the three worst teams in the league. Just like DeMarco Murray is not going to get the Rams every week, you're not going to get the Dolphins every week. Elliot, football's this game of inches. <laughs> okay. The difference between winning and losing. No, but I, I see the windows flying around in here. It's it, terrible. It happens this way. It happens. It's NFL Fantasy Live Series 210 XM87. Jason Smith, Michael Fabiano, Elliot Harrison from the NFL Network and NFL.com. The number is 888-963-2682. 888-XM Fantasy will help you set your lineup, give you trade advice throughout the rest of the hour here on the show. But right now we're going to give you a little bit of Terrell Owens, who yesterday caught up with our own NFL Network, Steve Weiss, to talk about all things National Football League. As T.O. had his big workout that was attended by nobody, wants to come back to the league. As it turns out, T.O. is a pretty big fantasy football fan. So here's a bit from the Cover 2 podcast, Steve Weiss, Terrell Owens. You not only worked out for all 32 NFL teams, but you also worked out for fantasy owners who are looking to add you off the waiver wire. At 37 and coming off knee surgery, can you still put up big fantasy numbers? Of course. I mean, I have no doubt, you know, that I can go out there and produce and uh, be productive. Uh, it's a matter of me really just uh, getting to a team, really learning the learning the playbook and uh, me getting familiar with the quarterback and the system. And then, you know, once you're out there on the field, it's X's and O's. It's all about uh, me getting the ball in my hands and, you know, doing what I do best, and that's getting into the end zone. All right, this is a good one. You've been one of the best receivers in fantasy football during your career. Do you have any stories about fans asking you to score them points for their fantasy teams? Oh, dude, all the time. You know, I, I have people that come up to me in the airports, you know, in the Starbucks, you know, on the street. I'm like, dude, you wanted me so much money in my fantasy football league pool or whatever. And I'm like, okay, what is that going to do for me? And I'm like, you at least could share some of the money, you know what I mean? If that was the case, then I'd be just excited as you are. But, uh, you know, for me to go out there and, you know, help them with their fantasy football, and I know that's that's the the the, the the fan craze right now is, you know, creating all these fantasy pools and everybody competing against each other. So I think, uh, you know, it's a way for fans to really, really get involved with the game without actually playing. So, uh, All right, now, if you – I don't know if you play fantasy football, you follow me, you see Aaron Rodgers putting up the numbers, Arian oh, Foster, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's your biggest fantasy point earner? I think right now it's Drew Brees. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, other, you know, 
small time guys, but you know, if they're, you know, in there and they can produce and put up those numbers, then yeah. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of my guys. Um, you know, not any, you know, cause all the learning to play fantasy football, everybody goes after the top guys that they think they're going to, you know, put up big numbers every week. And so sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I think as of lately, I've at least, you know, each week I've had one or two guys really be, uh, be on point for me. All right, so that was T.O. with Steve Weiss from the Cover 2 podcast a day ago. I, I love at the end, T.O., you know, authority on all things. T.O. says, look, here's how fantasy football works, is that you get guys who you think are going to score a lot of points and put them out there in your lineup. It's like you, know, like, like yeah. you just discovered this is how fantasy works. You get guys with the most points, and you put them in your lineup. Were you surprised that he's not a Pete's Coffee guy? Uh, no, he strikes me as a Starbucks guy. Maybe a coffee bean. I can see him at coffee bean, but he strikes me as a Starbucks guy. Let me tell you, Jason. If I'm sitting there and t- let's let's just say uh, To signs with uh, the Titans, I'm just picking a team, okay? Because they they had some interest in him, okay. That's and, why he worked actually worked out because the the they couldn't get the workout for just the Titans. So he right. says, I'll work out for everybody. And they could certainly use him. So let's say he signs with the Titans. If I'm at my laptop, I'm I'm signing him immediately. I'm adding him. Right away, I'm dropping whoever I need to drop, whether it's Sidney Rice or one of the other guys that's sitting on my bench that I've pretty much only played once all year. Because, A, I want to get in there before everybody else does, even if he stinks for a week or two. Because I trust that T.O. can be consistently productive, regardless of what team he's on, more than I trust, again, a Sidney Rice or even a Devery Henderson who may have a monster game for you and then disappears for two weeks. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two teams. I think as far as fantasy wise, I think To would have his best production for it. Now, whether they sign him or not, are two different things. But he goes to Houston or Detroit. He sees big fantasy production because I see him coming. He can't go anywhere where he's the guy. He's just not that person. He needs somebody else to take the pressure off him so he can still dominate those one-on-one matchups. He goes to either of those places, and suddenly it's a little bit tougher to double the star receivers. And if you're single in Terrell Owens, he's a guy that could get you 70 yards receiving a week and maybe every other week get in the end zone. So you're talking about maybe from your flex guy from T.O., 12 points, and in a, in a down week, 7 or 8 points, because there's nobody else on these teams that scare you. Suddenly now, T.O. is a viable option in either of those teams' offense. It really depends on where, where he lands. Yeah, if he goes to Tennessee, I mean, really, we're so in love with names. Just just not even fantasy, just just people in general. We're in love with names. We all drafted Chad Ochocinco at the beginning of the year, thinking maybe he could do something with the Patriots. Yeah, that hasn't gone very well. Tio's a Tio could get his first touchdown before Chad Ochocinco yeah, gets his first a name. <laughs> and if he goes to Tennessee, veteran quarterback, need a number one wide receiver, I like it. If he goes to Oakland, rapport with Carson Palmer, they don't have a number one, even though Darius Hayward Bay is starting to stake his claim to being the number one. That's another place. Okay, Washington. St. Moss is out several weeks. Maybe they bring him in. Okay, yeah. There's certain places where he'll have more value than others, but... To expect a guy who's 37, who'll turn 38 in December, uh, who's coming off an ACL six months ago, April. We don't know the exact date, but it was somewhere in April where Rosenhaus said he had the surgery. Remember what Wes Welker did? Came back real quick after after an ACL. Had a good year in, in 2010. Wouldn't The wide receiver he is now or before the surgery had 80-something catches, 800-something yards. His worst statistical season and his worst fantasy season since he went to New England. Now he's tearing it up. And Wes was a lot younger than T.O. when he had the surgery. I know T.O. is a workout monster. Watching that film of him yesterday during the workout, I never want to take my shirt off again because 
God, he's just ripped that dude. Those bouncing pecs. I, I mean, you can't, you can't unsee that. that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, Harrison, Harrison's got the bouncing pecs too. But Jason and I, we need to keep our shirts on. But um, yeah, he's going to be worth picking up. Maybe he's worth picking up now. We talked about Peyton Peyton Manning. If you've got dead wood on your fantasy team and you stink at wide receiver, pick him up. Maybe stash him until he signs with the team. But I just can't see him. Even even what he did last year, nine touchdowns, was a great fantasy receiver when no one thought he could be because of the age. Maybe I'm just a little bit skeptical at a guy that age. But roll the dice with him. Pick him up if you need a wide receiver and you have this and you have the roster space. Jason, me, oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me throw this out there. Who scores more points this season, Terrell Owens or Peyton Manning? <laughs> T.O. Wow. or Peyton Manning? I'm going to go T.O. The question is, who plays more games this year? I think someone's going to pick up T.O. eventually. I'm still not sold that Peyton Manning's going to play. And one thing that, that Michael mentioned was coming out of that season in Buffalo, 2009, given his age, a lot of us did not think he was going to be that productive. Let me just read off his numbers from last year. 72 catches, 983 yards receiving, and nine touchdowns. And he missed the two last games. two games of the season. And the game that he got hurt, he got hurt, I believe, on the opening drive of the game, if not very early in the first quarter. So essentially, he missed three games yeah. and had that kind of He production. had one of the greatest seasons of all time from a wide receiver at his age. Only Jerry Rice yeah. has done that. When he was yeah, when Jerry Rice I think was 39, he caught 90 passes in the season. With the Raiders. I remember yeah, that because I had him on my fantasy team. 2000. Yeah. 2002 Raiders, Jerry Rice was a beast. Mm. Yeah, but you're talking about a season for T.O. Because you know what, we, like we, we talk about we love big names, we love numbers. And we see T.O. and we go, all right, well, 983 yards, all right, you know, nine times. Okay, that's okay. That's a guy I'll play maybe as number two or my flex. He plays the entire season. Suddenly, he's at 1150 at least, double-digit touchdowns. And he's somebody at, at 85 catches, and you're drafting him this year, and there's no debate. T.O. is out. Let's just say he was on a team. He's still on your bench. You didn't get rid of him like you waved Peyton Manning because you think this guy can come back. I agree. It would be superhuman for, for him to come back. He came back from a broken leg in, in, in less than a couple of weeks. Uh, this would be the quickest ACL recovery in the history of mankind. But you know what? T.O., I, I like some of the speed he showed. I like the way he ran. I mean, I didn't like his conditioning, obviously, but I like the way he ran yesterday during his workout. He showed that, you know what, the knee might be holding up a little bit. Conditioning, as we talked to Heath Evans last hour on the show, that might be something we're, we're concerned about. But as far as running, he looked okay. Well, heck, we're seeing the conditioning possibly being the problem with Chris Johnson, but uh, we have to go to break. Michael Fabiano is going to have his starts and sits at the wide receiver position, speaking of T.O. And a little bit later, we're going to have Jason Smith talk about the Jets. That's right. All right, we can I'm, do that. I'm promising that you're going to talk about the Jets. It's That's NFL Fantasy Live awesome. on Sirius 210 XM 87. NFL Fantasy Live with fantasy experts Jason Smith, Michael Fabiano, I'm Elliot Harrison, and we're talking wide receivers right now. We just talked a little T.O., and Michael Fabiano has some pretty good starts for this week, starting with the guy that we just listened to. Yeah, how about a little sleeper this week? Uh, Antonio Brown had over 100 yards last week. Pretty good game, right? Heinz Ward's a little bit banged up. Playing the Patriots. Which team has allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers this year, guys? That would be the Patriots, who, oh, by the way, have the worst pass defense yes. in the NFL. I would roll with Antonio Brown as a three-year flex if I needed in a deeper league, especially, again, Heinz Ward limited, uh, a little bit banged up. Another guy that, and I don't like this guy personally. Like, not personally. I don't know if he's what, a what jerk he or not. What do he do to you? 
uh, he's given me a lot of crappy performances in my fantasy team. His <laughs> name is Nate Washington, a guy that I, you know, I told people to pick him up and sort of temper their expectations, but he's a lousy number one wide receiver. He, he Ever since he came from Pittsburgh to Tennessee, he was great when Kenny Britt was drawing all the coverage, and now that he's drawn number ones every week, he can't do a thing. But the Colts have been terrible against the pass. Uh, they've allowed the third most fantasy points. Two wide receivers. So if you need a three or a flex, same kind of thing with Antonio Brown. I'd roll the dice with Nate Washington, and if he does nothing this week, waiver wire, trash heap. Also love Anquan Bolden against the Cardinals. A little bit of a revenge factor, right? The team that he left to go to Baltimore. The, the Cardinals have been really bad against defense, uh, against, the, against the pass this season. Uh, they've allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So I like Bolden. I mentioned earlier I like Flacco. A.J. Green, who's phenomenal. You play him against the Seahawks. How about Marquise Colston? Marquise Colston is a guy who, at the beginning of the year, people had a little questions about him because of the knee surgeries and that. Then he gets hurt against the Packers, and you're thinking, oh, this is he's going to be a bust. Why did I draft this guy? Over the last two weeks, no one scored more fantasy points at wide receiver than Marquise Colston. And oh, by the way, he's playing the Rams this year, uh, this week, who have allowed the second, fewest, uh, second most fantasy points to wide receivers. So Colston is a good play. And Brandon Marshall, too. I know he's inconsistent. Matt Moore has tunnel vision to Brandon Marshall, just like he had tunnel vision to Steve Smith in Carolina. Against the Giants, they've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers. I think Marshall's going to have a nice game in the Meadowlands uh, this weekend. I really think Marshall is a very solid play. He played real well the last time he was there. That was on a uh, against a different team, the Jets. But I think Marshall's a good play. And What's he probably won't run out of bounds this time. He'll probably stay in bounds. Huh. Well, what's interesting about Antonio Brown is just checking NFL.com. He's owned in only 16.8% of leagues out there. He had a big a big week, week two, week three. He had a big couple of weeks around there, and then he kind of tailed off. And It was almost like we thought, okay, now he's officially becoming the number two guy there behind Mike Wallace. Then he tailed off. Now he's back. His problem, obviously, was saying that has been his consistency. It's what the Steelers have talked about him throughout the last couple of years. He just needs to be more consistent. There's no reason why he can't be that number two guy. And if this is your true Steelers offense, you pick up Antonio Brown. He's a great flex play. He could wind up being a really good flex play for you the rest of the season as long as he stays consistent. Well, Antonio Brown, I, I you know, look, the Cardinals have made a lot of Hall of Mediocres look like Hall of Famers in the passing game. And so I don't know that Antonio Brown is the greatest play ever. But in the bye weeks, uh, especially if you're rolling with some of the guys I'm having to roll with at wide receiver, I mean, Mario Manningham, for the most part, has been a big disappointment for, for me. And I, I had Mike Sims-Walker. Talk about a – boy, that's a guy we haven't Ooh, really you have, talked about. You have the all-disappointing team there. Uh, yeah, you know, listen – is Antonio Brown going to blow you away? No. Is Jabbar Gaffney going to blow you away? No. But you have to take a chance on somebody. Yeah. People, uh, you know, I see a lot of people playing fantasy, and they say, oh, I like Jabbar Gaffney. No, they're, they're fantasy snobs like Dave Damashek likes to call himself. He remembers <laughs> NFL fantasy. I'm, I'm a fantasy snob. And if you're anti-Jabbar Gaffney, it's kind of being a fantasy snob. Now, I, I don't like Gaffney as much this week, even though he's got a good matchup. I think the Redskins are going to run the football as well because the Bills can't stop anybody running. But, you know, Jabbar Gaffney, he's your number one wideout target there for the rest of the regular season and probably your playoffs. Fred Davis, I think, is huge. This is a guy that shows that no matter who's throwing the football, He's going to get targets. He's that talented. But, and Chris Cooley's out. Yeah, and, and Gap, but Gaffney's a guy that, you know, you play him at your flex and you think, ah, oh, Jabbar Gaffney, but realize you take the name out of it, and Jabbar Gaffney's a guy that could produce for you the rest of the season. Well, we have Mike in Ohio on the line, and Mike, I'd like to know if you're a fantasy snob. Uh, I wouldn't call myself that, no. <laughs> Very but, good. No, what's, I, your, what's your question? 
I do uh, I have uh, two quick questions. One is actually about Antonio Brown. Uh, would you drop Lance Moore and pick up Brown instead? I, I would say no. Uh, that's a little too, too risky for me. I don't think Pittsburgh is the kind of team that wants to throw the ball 60% of the time. I realize, uh, I agree with you, Jason, on your pecking order with the Saints, but when you have as many possessions as the Saints do and you put the ball up as much as the Saints do, I think I'd still rather have Lance Moore, even though he's not in the top two in the pecking order with Jimmy Graham and Marcus Colston more than Antonio Brown. I don't know. I go with the, the two things I learned from you the most in the last month, Elliot Harrison. Two things you say most often. One, a player's best ability is availability, and a player's best attribute is opportunity. And there's more opportunity for Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh than there is for Lance Moore in New Orleans. We know Jimmy Graham's going to get 10 looks a game. Marcus Colson's going to get between 8 and 10 looks a game. Darren Sproles is going to get 10 looks a game out of the backfield. Now that's 30 passes right there. Even if Drew Brees throws the football 50 times, you got Moore and Henderson and a bunch of other guys to try to get the football too. I just don't know that Lance Moore is someone you can count on. Once every month, he'll have a game where it's a touchdown or two touchdowns and 50 yards receiving. But I think Brown is more better potential and better opportunity for him to succeed you know you know that you've been busted when somebody takes your whack job fantasy theorems throws them back in your face (laughs) to prove you wrong so fabs i want to i want to go to you on this so lance moore antonio brown the rest of the season this week i think i think it's antonio brown uh the rest of the season I'd probably go with Lance Moore, but you're not going to get consistency either way. They're both matchup-based guys. Lance Moore's not a guy you want to start against a bad matchup. He has the advantage, as good as Ben Roethlisberger is, he has the advantage of having an even better quarterback in Drew Brees throwing him the football. So I'd I'd definitely go Lance Moore. This week, I'd, I'd go Antonio Brown. All right, let, let's do something right here. With Halloween coming up, this is our this is our last show before Halloween. Give me a guy who scares you the most that you're playing on your fantasy roster right now, and then give me your scariest Halloween movie. Um, which one of my eight leagues are we talking about? Give me the one guy that you play him and you go, boy, I'm playing him, but he scares me. There, there's a couple of guys during the bye weeks um, that that scare me. Uh, and, and I'm trying to think – I'm just trying to think of the guy who scares me the most – out of all of them, and, and it's going to have to be a running back because the running back position has been extremely, extremely inconsistent this season. And I'm going to have to go, because of the situation in Washington right now with, with Tim Hightower, I'm still scared of Ryan Terrain. I'm still scared of him. Uh, I've started him a couple weeks in a row. He's done diddly-poo, uh, as Elliot likes to uh, quote Jim Moore in saying. And now he's got a great matchup this week against Buffalo, who can't stop the run. And I'm starting him this week. Even though he's got a good matchup, even though he's had a lot of success when he's healthy under Mike Shanahan in the past, it still scares the snot out of me to put him into my starting lineup. Now, scariest movie of all time? To me, as, as a guy who loves horror movies, there has never been a better Halloween uh, a horror movie than the original Halloween ever. Love that movie. When Michael Myers' mask comes out of the darkness, when Jamie Lee Curtis is standing at the top of the stairs... One of the greatest scenes in horror movie history. And what's cool is that that house that she babysat at in that movie is on Orange Grove uh, Road in West Hollywood. And it's right off of, I believe it's Sunset. And Sunset's just this, you know, Sunset Strip with bars and clubs and noise and madness. And this street is like Main Street USA. You, get, you take a left off of Sunset and you go down Orange Grove 
and it is like you're in Illinois. It's like Main Street, USA, with all the trees coming over. Uh, but to me, that's the best. She should just run to the Sunset Strip. Why run around in the house? Run to the Strip, get some you know, it, guys to come and help. Actually, and and actually, if you watch the movie, one of the errors in that movie is that they show palm trees. And it's supposed to be in Haddonfield, Illinois. Mm. There ain't no palm trees in Haddonfield, no. Illinois. But in one scene in that movie, they have a mistake in there where you see a palm tree. When she, I think when she's walking outside at some point in the movie you see a palm tree in the background well, I know that we need to break here but I, I just need to defend myself on one little thing and then we can get to our best scary plays and scary movies after the break uh, I was saying diddly poo at Camp Sejumi in 5th grade there we go when Jim Mora was coaching in the USFL so I, I just you know I love Jim Mora but I did not steal diddly poo from Jim Mora I just, he stole it from you he did <laughs> <laughs> there's a kid I saw in 5th grade he was saying it in the classrooms so now I took it from him but we will get to our scary plays and scary movies uh, right after the break. But also, I want to talk about who the MVP of the first half is because I think a lot of people are wondering that. Uh, Wes Welker was going to be my fantasy MVP. But truly, who is it of the fantasy football season and who is the biggest bust? If you log on to SiriusXM.com slash Fantasy Sports Radio right now and cast your vote and you can be a part of the second annual Fantasy Football Midseason Special. Now, we're celebrating the best and worst moments of the first half of the season. And we need your help. Log on to our channel homepage right now at SiriusXM.com slash Fantasy Sports Radio. That's SiriusXM.com slash Fantasy Sports Radio. We'll be right back. NFL Fantasy Live here with fantasy experts Michael Fabiano, Jason Smith. I am Elliot Harrison. And those voices you were just listening to were the greatness of Brad Sham and Babe Laufenberg on the Cowboys call. You know, I've seen it all now. Uh, on Sunday, Jason Smith is a... Uh, <laughs> is a rampant Jets fan. Jason Smith, uh, who has a little similarity to Sebastian Janikowski, just not as big, wearing a styrofoam jet hat, flying around the office. Doing the airplane. Doing the airplane when the Jets came back. Now I just saw Jason Smith listening to Dangerous Toys and Scared, which is a great song, playing not only the air guitar, but the behind-the-head air guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go I have or go seen home. it all. Go big or go home. Well, speaking of go big or go home, uh, Fabs, you don't uh, – it sounds like you're saying that Miles Austin should go home. Now. He's not going to have a very good game. I don't know, I don't know that you I can buy that. You can't bench Miles Austin. You can't bench him. But let me just give you this little nugget, Mr. Harrison. Since week two – the opposing team's number one running back, uh, wide receiver who has faced the Eagles has averaged 4.8 fantasy points. Roddy White, Hakeem Nick, Steve Johnson, Santana Moss, all those guys included. If Austin is covered by Namdi Asimwa, I almost guarantee he'll do nothing in this game. It's a tough call because Des Bryant is clearly just as talented, if not more, than Miles Austin. Maybe the Eagles utilize Namdi on, on Des Bryant. But I'm talking number one receivers, and we can all agree in this room that Miles Austin is the number one in Dallas. Des Bryant's the number two, correct? I'm just giving you the numbers, my friend. I, let's well, say, no, I, I get, I, and, and but what saves me from starting Miles Austin is the fact that they may mix things up, and I'm, I don't think you're going to see the case where it's Asamoah awesome on Miles Austin the entire game. They may try to mix. Look, if Des Bryant, just like with the the Jets and the Cowboys did Week One, well, what did the what did the Jets do? The Jets had. Uh, Darrell Rivas on Miles Austin. What happened? Antonio Cromartie got worked by Des Bryant. So the Jets moved Darrell Rivas over to Des Bryant, who did nothing the rest of the game. Miles Austin exploded. So it really depends on how the game comes out. Just because of the way the Cowboys 
situation is because they have those couple. It's not like you have Miles Austin and then your next guy is you know a, a clear number two that really can't catch the football. It's not like your number two is Alvin Harper. You know you have a really good number two choice there. Well, what's interesting about the the numbers that you reference is that the Eagles' defense has taken a tremendous amount of criticism. They have a first-year defensive coordinator there who used to be an O-line coach. And really it's been the run defense that's hurt that team. The secondary got a lot of criticism because Namdi Asamoah wasn't getting to play his man coverage like he did in Oakland. And they're, the whole way they play pass defense in Philly is different. But they've done a heck of a job shutting down opposing passing games. And I see your point on Austin. The only thing about Miles Austin, again, to bring a little reality into it, is one of the reasons why Des Bryant is getting these looks is because of the presence of Miles Austin and Jason Witten. And it's fantasy versus reality. I still think Austin is the better player there. You referenced that Des Bryant may be the more talented guy. Mm -hmm. I think Austin is the better player there. But I see your point on the fantasy play. But that, that's not the only guy you've got sitting this Right. Week. Other guys that I – Eric Decker against the Lions. Uh, again, the Lions defense has been very good. It's sort of like the bizarro world. Last year, the last few years, anytime you're playing against the Lions, you want to play those fantasy guys. This year, not so much. Michael Crabtree against the Browns. Brandon Edwards is going to probably be back this week. And the Browns, again, as I mentioned earlier, are very good against the pass this season. Joe Hayden's been fantastic. I, I can't see how you, how you can play Percy Harvin at this point. He's averaging – Less than 40 yards receiving a game, uh, less than four catches a game. If if not for his 166 rushing yards, he'd be far worse than 40th in fantasy points among wide receivers. And the Bengals, oh, by the way, have the second-best defense in the National Football League. And Sidney Rice came back, and people got excited about him. He had a 100-yard game, then scored a touchdown. But in his last two games, 76 yards, no touchdowns, and the Bengals, again, have allowed the third fewest fancy points to wide receivers. And finally, and you know what, I can't believe I'm saying it, but if you have wide receiver depth, I'm benching Reggie Wayne. He's done nothing. 16.6 points in week one. Ever since then, he's averaging 5.3. And it's not his fault. Curtis Painter does not look to him often enough. He always looks to Pierre Garçon. Even in that game, guys, last week when they just got smoked by the Saints, did you notice how many times he was throwing the ball to Garçon? Even when he was even when he was trying to avoid a pass rush, it was almost always Pierre Garcon's my best friend. I want to throw the ball to him. It's it's unbelievable it's that like he's locked in. He is yeah. completely locked into Pierre Garcon. Guys get frozen out. Eric Decker's been frozen out by Tim Tebow. Look, the guy was incredible the first five weeks, catching passes from Kyle Orton, and now a little bit now they're rolling coverages towards him a little bit. Brian Billick talked about this on NFL Fantasy Live with us a couple weeks ago. But sometimes that happens when a new quarterback takes over. He finds his guy, and it doesn't matter if it's a guy who goes to five or six Pro Bowls or a guy who's you know not done anything or a guy who's in the middle. They find their guys, and, and look. Pierre Garcon is going to be Curtis Painter's guy the rest of the way. Okay, Demarius Thomas is going to be Tim Tebow's guy the rest of the way. Go out and pick up Demarius Thomas. Start him this week. Ten targets last week. Tebow's the guy. Sometimes it just happens that way. You just said guy ten guy. times. Guy. I like guy. You He's said a guys guy. as much as like a girl in the valley says like. Here's a guy. Drops the light you got time. a guy. You get a guy. Well, speaking of a guy, we've got John in New York who has been waiting very patiently. And uh, John, you with us? How you doing? Thanks for waiting on us. What's the best scary movie of all time? Best scary movie of all time? Well, as a kid, I was always terrified of Chucky the doll, but that's as far as I go with horror movies. <laughs> Chucky? Chucky? Well, when I was like four, my mom would call me into the room and say that a cartoon was on, then she'd switch it to Chucky on me. Wow, your wow. mom! Your mom, wow. Oh, yeah. she, had a, she got a kick out of it. 
<laughs> okay. Well, we'll try to make up for that a little bit. Can we uh, answer a, a decent fantasy question? Yeah, I got two questions. I'll make them quick. Well, I just heard Ingram sat out of practice. Right. I have him in, in as my flex. But, you know, do I – I guess I have to see how the week progresses. But, you know, I also have uh, picked up Jenkins because he seemed to be a pretty comfortable target for Ponder. Would, you know, plug in Jenkins. And I also have Jackie Battle on my bench. I mean, are these viable options for Ingram? Should I try to trade Ingram? You know, this whole Ingram thing's just got me all up in a no, whirl. I, I, I would, dude, I would go with Jackie Battle. I went from guy to dude there, Ellie. So yeah. I'm happy there. <laughs> go with Jackie Battle. He's, he had a 100-yard game in, in his debut, 76 yards last week, didn't carry the ball a whole heck of a lot. Jackie Battle, I think, is your best choice there. But, you know, we talked about guys. Michael Jenkins over Percy Harvin. I, I was just about to say, if those are my three options for flex... I think I'm going Michael Jenkins. Of really? The, of the, yeah. Yeah, I think I would. I, I That's scary. I, I don't trust Mark Ingram right now. I, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I, I just don't I, I don't trust him. Uh, Jackie Battle's got a matchup against the Chargers. I don't think he's going to go off on the Chargers the way he did it against the Colts a few weeks ago. I like Michael Jenkins. Elliot, of those three. You know, you know I love you, brother. You're, you, we're, we're both Cowboys fans here. Um, Michael Jenkins... Outside of one week, has been a dog. Eight fantasy points in week one. Two pa- fantasy points yep. in week two. Three in week three, eight points. In week four, six points. In week five, one. In week six, four. Week seven, seventeen. Big I'm, game, right? I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Can I stop you right there, though? Yeah, I'm going to do to you what Jason Smith did to me, which is to take my own theorems. And I don't want in my face. I don't want to know what okay. he, you guys are doing to each hey, other. You were talking about Curtis Painter being locked in on Pierre Garcon. And when I mentioned that after Oh, Harrison, you can't make that argument after one game. Curtis Painter's been throwing to the Garcon for, what, four weeks? It was one game. But that's exactly what you guys said to me after he had the game against Tampa Bay. When Garcon had those two big catches, you're like, it's one game and it was just two catches. I remember specifically I was the only one that was like, hey, don't you have to at least look at this? And sure enough, Garcon and and Painter developed a relationship. I'm just saying that I, I think you can roll the dice here. Yes, it's a high risk. I, 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 yeah, I'd rather have Jackie Battle. I'd rather go with Jackie. Battle. Although, and I will just, use, I'd rather play Michael Jenkins over Percy Harvin. Imagine that. I'll go Jenkins Imagine over Harvin. That. For yeah. So you guys, we got two out of three for Jackie Battle and one for Michael Jenkins. There we go. So I guess your answer is Jackie Battle. Yeah. Now l- let me throw this out that we talked about you know scary movies and different things and Fabs we talked about the big gaff and Halloween. Uh, this is our final show, our final show before Halloween. NFL Fantasy Live Series Two Ten X M eighty seven. Jason Smith, Elliot Harrison, Michael Fabiano from the NFL Network, showing palm trees in what's supposed to be Haddonfield, Illinois, in 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 Halloween because it was shot right off the Sunset Strip here in Los Angeles. Watch the first Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, it's on every Halloween. First Nightmare on Elm Street, the final battle scene between Heather Langenkamp and, and Robert Englund, is in the house. And there's a scene where I forget if she throws him or he falls. I think maybe she throws him or knocks him down uh, a flight of stairs. And I don't know how this wound up in the movie, but, you know, he flies up. So obviously it's a stuntman. And they had a mattress on the stairs, like, to cushion the fall, because here's a stuntman falling on the on the mat. And you see in the shot, clearly, he's falling on a mattress for no reason on the stairs, like, to cushion the fall. I never noticed that. Oh, it's I did notice the one thing. When, yeah. when, she, when she lit him on fire... The, that Freddy that was on fire was like 300 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. And Robert England's like a buck 25 soaking wet with cement shoes. But the burning Freddy was like a linebacker. Well, let me just say, just to continue our theme, uh, 
Jabbar Gaffney is a scary play, but for me, it's what I do. What do I do at running back for Beanie Wells? Do I take the chance that he is going to play against Baltimore, or do I go with the handcuff? I don't like either one of my options there, Alfonso Smith or Beanie Wells. That's my scariest play. Scariest movie, I'm right there with Fabs. There is no way that Halloween is not the best best best, best horror movie ever made. Because there's not a bunch of gore. There's it's it's all suspense. Yeah, it's all suspense with kind of a horror horror movie uh, uh, undercurrent to it. And I, I it's it kind of stays open ended. And then the most underrated part of that movie is the simple music. The oh yeah, music, the music yeah. is so creepy and yeah. perfect. Yeah, and I, I liked and I'm a big fan of zombie. I like Rob Zombie's. I saw the remake. Remake yeah. of Halloween. It was very good. There was one really disturbing scene that I didn't care for, but um, the second Halloween movie that he made, I still liked it because it's zombie. But that was t- that wasn't as. Good. I think I know what disturbing scene you're referring nah, to. It, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this for scariest movie ever. Scariest player, honestly, for me right now that I'm playing is that in one of my leagues I've gone all in on Tebow. Like he is my quarterback now for the stretch drive. Barring. Have faith in Tebow, my, my friend. Guy. I love Tebow, but it's scary that I'm all in on him. And this is a league where my team is pretty good in. Scariest movie? Look, I'm a huge horror movie fan. Like I like to take a look and see, oh, here's the relationships in the movie and what works and what doesn't. I'm, I'm that kind of horror movie guy. I was 19 the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original. I saw, I saw it, the original. I saw it on campus. I went to Syracuse for my history of the horror film class, which I took, which was what a great class. And I saw it in a big theater with, like, 200 people, and the movie gets out at 10 o'clock at night. I've never walked as fast in my life with the with my Walkman jacked up to about 50 across the quad <laughs> to get back to my dorm. It was so scary. The first time you see Leatherface when the guy, the one guy just comes into the house and he trips and falls, and Leatherface just opens the door, hits him with the hammer, pulls him, slams the door shut, and that guy's just gone, and they stay on that shot for, like, three seconds. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, that guy was there. And he's just gone, and they'll never find him. I mean, that was just so freaky. It was you know so what? scary. Uh, the, the original you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was good. I like the remake because Jessica Biel ran around in a, in a tank top and tight jeans the whole time. That, that makes any movie better. Yeah. That makes any <laughs> that movie That was better. better for me. You guys should feel lucky that we only have about 11 minutes left because I would be asking callers about Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Like all all day long, but but while you mention that you're all while that you while you mention that you're all in on Tebow, I want you two's fantasy projections for Tebow versus the Lions. Using NFL.com scoring, uh, twenty five yards, one point, touchdown pass, four I think, points. I think he'll give you fourteen or fifteen points. I'm gonna say we that, get like four two point conversions. Oh, sorry, you say we can't count on two point conversions. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No. But 14 points, that's that's a little bit lower than you've been talking about. Because, because again, the Lions have been very good. I, I'm a numbers guy. I don't go with my gut because you have to give people information based on fact and based and you're on not stats. wired that way. I, I and think. I don't have a gut, luckily. Um, but the fact of the matter is the Lions have been great against defenses, uh, great against uh, quarterbacks this season. And I still think 14 or 15 fantasy points is a pretty darn respectable number based on what the Lions have allowed this year to signal callers. Jason? I'm going to say this. Fantasy meets reality. The Lions are reeling right now. They are absolutely real. They're going to go play in Denver where it's Tebow's first home game since the Miracle in Miami. I think Tebow, even if he has as bad a week as last week, 23 points, I'm going to say again, 23 points for Tebow this week. Even if he's that bad against the Lions, he's still going to put that kind of numbers up. Another week starting, I'm going 23 again for Tebow. Wow. Well, we're going to talk some running backs uh, coming back and have Jason talk some New York Jets. It's NFL Fantasy Live on Sirius 210, XM 87. 
NFL Fantasy Live with Michael Fabiano and Jason Smith, and we have talked quarterbacks, we've talked wide receivers to start. Uh, Fabs, why don't you give us your RBs to put in your lineup? Love Darren Sproles. Uh, We've talked about him, especially if Mark Ingram can't play. Great matchup against the Rams. If Ingram can't play, I'd even play Pierre Thomas as a flex. I also like Ryan Matthews in his last game against the Chiefs, which happened back in Week 3. He had 26.9 fantasy points against him on NFL.com. A guy that we talked about last week and touted, DeMarco Murray, had a pretty good game, 253 and a touchdown. This week he plays the Eagles. Felix Jones is still out. You start him. And, and yes, guys, it's come to this. I have to tell people whether or not to start or sit Chris Johnson. <laughs> and I'm telling them to play Chris Johnson this week against the Colts, uh, who have really been dreadful against, the, against running backs this year. Daniel Thomas, I like his matchup against the Giants. And lo and behold, finally we can use Bernard Scott. I play him as a flex against the Seahawks. It's about time. Yeah. Bernard, Bernard, gosh. We've been talking about Bernard Scott, Scott since like preseason. Oh, it's like the Olympics. You talk about it for so long and then it's here for two weeks and gone. But speaking of Bernard Scott and talking about it, you've been talking Joe McKnight and at some point him getting the rock in New York. Obviously they're on a bye, but what do you think's going on there? Yeah, two things with, with, with the Jets. With, and, and twisting my arm to talk about the Jets, Elliot. It's all right. Yeah, I uh, can't believe this is happening. F- first about McKnight. Sean Green saved his job for at least a week, running for 100 yards against the Chargers. Whether it was the motivation of starting LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, the Chargers bringing out the best in Sean Green. He's comfortable with that matchup. He loves seeing Eric Weddle in front of him. He saved his job for at least another week. But Joe McKnight is going to become part of this offense. He can even start cutting into LT snaps. LT missed most of the second half of the game with an illness. He's there for them to falter. Still hold on to Joe McKnight. I still think he can be a big guy for you. Plaxico Burris, yes, pick him up. Yes, put him in your flex. Obviously not this week. The Jets have a bye. But now I think these next five or six weeks are going to be the best you're going to see from Plaxico. He's had enough time to come back and get used to the NFL again before he hits the wall because his conditioning is not going to be what it is at the end of the season. These next five weeks are big weeks for Plaxico. This is going to be most of his production. Fabs? What are your thoughts on Plax? I mean, was that a fluke that we saw against the Chargers, or do you think he is? A le- I, I think he's a legit red zone target. No, I, I mean clearly, but maybe that's all he is—is is a red zone target. And this past week, he was successful in that role with three touchdowns. That's going to be the best stat line in fantasy he has, maybe for the rest of his career. Honestly, would he catch four balls four for, for twenty-five, 25 yards, yards and three, three touchdowns? Touchdown. It was like the Jerome Bettis uh, stat line for wide receiver. Well, he, he certainly has a size to be a good red zone target. But that is it for us today, NFL Fantasy Live, here every Wednesday for Jason Smith, Michael Fabiano. I'm Elliot Harrison. Have a good one. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is where projects come to life. 
Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.